We're holding in the middle of the parak. We're speaking about the story of Matan Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemaim and he was arranging for Hashem to be Moichel Bnei Yisrael. He went up and then he he came. He wherever he went, either he went to the, he went to the heaven, he went to the mountain, or he didn't go to the mountain. Whatever. Then he went the second time. He went up the mountain and brought the Luchas Shnius. Now we're up to the story of what different things that happened at that time, at that point, and then we'll get to the final, the final story of uh, Hashem being Michael Ben Yisrael and Yom Kippur. So it says in the Medrash, Yom Torah on the day that the Torah was given, Omer Samuel or the Satan, our friend Sammy, the Satan, said in front of Hashem, Rebbeinu Master of the Universe, Al Kol upon all the wicked people you've given me permission or you've given me uh, d- dominion I, I can rule over all wicked people that's what the Satan says but over the righteous people you haven't given me permission I don't have I can't rule over them there's nothing I don't have any power over them so the, the Satan is complaining to Hashem that he can't do anything to Tzadikim he can only do something to Rishon at least that's what it seems that the Medrash is saying well I'll have to exactly explain what's happening but so Hashem answers him, You do have power over them, over the tzaddikim. If they have a sin, if they have done an avera, then on Yom Kippur you have power over even the tzaddikim, I guess. And if they don't have an avera, then you don't have any power over them. Period. That's that's what the measure says over here. Yeah, what, what are I, you bothered by? I don't understand the point of Sammy. Then. Yeah. Meaning, Sammy's job is to test you. He puts you in... So, Sammy has you. three jobs. The Gemara says that he's... Who Yetzirah, who Satan, who Malachamavis. He's the one, the Yetzirah, he tries to push you into doing Vera. Then he turns around and puts on the prosecutor's clothes and then he wants to go out and prosecute you for doing that affair that he convinced you to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? And then he, and then he puts on the executioner's clothes uh-huh. and then he, he, he okay. carries out the punishment for the affair that he prosecuted you against that you, he convinced you to do. But he doesn't have dominion over the wicked people because it wouldn't be for him, the people wouldn't be wicked. He's making the the Yetzirah is what's making the wicked people wicked. Wait, so what are we talking about? We're talking about convincing you to do an avera. We're talking about um, prosecuting you to Hashem. Convincing you to do an avera. I understand. We're talking about prosecuting. Oh, we're talking about prosecuting. That, that's what I understand. Because it's Yom Kippur, and on Yom Kippur we're malachim, and you can't be. Who said that we're malachim on Yom Kippur? That's the reason we wear a kippah. Oh, we'll get to that. How, how does he have dominion over the tzaddikim at any time? Okay, so uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot, a lot of questions over here. It's a little bit very, it's pretty unclear what's happening in this midrash. Let's start it like this. First of all, there's a different girsa. The Leomi Israel has a slightly different girsa in, in, the, in the words of the midrash. The way I read it, it says that he said, On all the Rishoyim you gave me power, and on the tzaddikim you didn't give me power. Rishoyim versus Tzadikim. The way Bliyomi Izmir has the Gersa, it's Akol Umas Oilo, Akol Umais Nasatul Rishos, Val Yusrol Enatan Isnul Rishos. It's not Rishoyim versus Tzadikim, it's nations of the world versus the Jewish nation. So it's like a slightly different idea. 
So what it seems is that the Satan is complaining that he has power over other nations in the world, but he doesn't have power over the Jews. That, that, that's, that, 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 that's what it seems to be saying over here. The Baisagodo also sort of says this, because the Medrash said, we're talking about, Yoim Shinitna Torah, on the day that the Torah was given. And we said, I think it was last week, or maybe two weeks ago, two weeks ago we said this, that on the day the Torah was getting, given, so it says, that they got the Luchais, which was Chorus ala Luchais. And we said, Chorus ala Chorus, that they became free, Chorus, from the Malach Hamavis. The Chal became uh, transcended the power of the Malach Hamavis. So here the Medrash is saying that the Malach Hamavis, which is the same person, the same force as the Satan, is complaining to Hashem and saying, why is it that all the other nations of the world are subservient, or fall under the dominion of the Malach Hamavis, of the Satan, and the Jews don't fall under my dominion? Right? So it, it seems to be saying just on at this time, right when the Jews got the Torah originally, before the hate of the Egel Hazahav, when they were above death, when they were misakin, whatever the hate of Adam Rishon, and they were above the Zuma. That's what Mar says. They didn't have the Zuma that the Nachash put into Adam Rishon, so they were above death. So now the the Sultan is complaining. How could they be above death and no other nation in the world is above death? That's that's what it seems that the complaint is. And then, yeah. Amen. So what's the answer? What does what what Hashem answer? So Hashem answers something, something vague over here about on Yom Kippur, if they did a virus, then you have power or not, and if not, not. So what, what, what's he talking about over here? That's, first, that's, one, that's one Shiloh. The other Shiloh is like this. There's really another Gemara about this. In the Gemara, Misachas Yoima, and Daf Chaf Aleph, Daf Aleph, and the Dorim Lamed Beis Lamed Beis, the Gemara says something very interesting. The Gemara says that Hasatan, the Satan, is Gematria three hundred sixty-four. The Satan is Gematria three hundred sixty-four, and the Gemara says to tell you that the Satan only has power three hundred sixty-four days a year. But not on the 365th day of the year. There's one day a year that the Satan doesn't have any power, and that's Yom Kippur. That's what the Gemara says. So now that Gemara seems to contradict everything that we're saying over here. Because here, the whole answer to the Satan was that, Oh, on Yom Kippur you have power. But the Gemara says no, uh, 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 the exact opposite. On Yom Kippur, the Satan doesn't have any power. So first of all, what's exactly the answer of on Yom Kippur you have power? And second of all, how, however we can explain that, we have to do it in a way that it's not going to contradict that Gemara that says that the Sultan doesn't have power in Yom Kippur. So Rabbi Izmir explains it like this. He says, he, he says, he gives two explanations. The first one, I'm not really so comfortable with, but I'll, I'll say over what he says. It says, as we, as we explained, the Sultan was complaining that Hashem let Bnei Yisrael be greater than all the other nations, that they're above death, and the other nations are, are in, inside death. They're in, inside the... The system of death, right? So, what does Hashem answer back to the Satan? So, the Rabbi Leo Mizbe says Hashem is answering back in like in a joking way. That's why I don't, I'm not so comfortable because like Hashem is joking, but Hashem answers them back like sort of sarcastically. Yeah, you have power over them on Yom Kippur if they didn't do it, if, if they did an Avera. Meaning, never, because Yom Kippur, you get your Michilo, your Averas are forgiven. So, you don't have an Avera. So, it'll never happen that you have Yom Kippur with an Avera. So, Hashem is sort of answering sarcastically, like, yes, that is the way it is. The, the Jews don't have, don't have death. They're above, they're above your power. 
That's the way Rabbi Yomir explains the first pshat. Yeah. That would only be according to the one who holds that the mechila comes even if you don't do tshuva each minute at the beginning. Oh, I heard. As we said last, last week. week. Or? Yeah. That's one pshat. Rabbi Yomir says the other pshat he says is that what was really bothering the Satan was he was worried that why is it that the Jews are they they're not they're not they don't get death they're above death you know. Is, there, is that going to be forever? That the Jews are always going to be above death? And they're going to be different than all the other nations of the world? That everyone else, people die, and the Jews, no one's ever going to die? So Hashem's answer back is that, yeah, because what's going to happen in the future is that there's going to be a Cheda Egel, which happened not so long afterwards, like 40 days later. There's going to be a Cheda Egel, and the Cheda Egel is going to necessitate Hashem creating something called Yom Kippur to give the Jews a Kapara. And so the answer to the Satan is... Well, according to our, the answer to the Satan is that by by Hashem referring referring to Yom Kippur, he's alluding to the Satan that there will be a need for such a thing as Yom Kippur, which means that there will be a Cheda Egel, and the Cheda Egel will make it that the Jews are going to be back on the same level as the rest of humanity, that their that, that death can affect them as well. That's Israel's second shot. So according to these pshatim, it does it works very well with the Gemara. It seems because the Gemara is saying that the Satan doesn't have any kayach. That's talking about a different time. It, we're, we're talking specifically about that day where they accepted the Torah and they were above death. That's Rabbi Yomi Israel's pshat. The Bais Hagodol says a slightly different idea from the Rekeach. Says that this that the Gemara says that the Satan doesn't have any power over averes. It's only talking about averes that were done on Yom Kippur. But the various of the whole year that a person does, that the Satan does have kayak to be makachek, to prosecute a person for. So that, when our major says that the Satan has rishus on Yom Kippur, if you have a veras, it's like about a veras that were done during the, during the whole year. When the Gemara says that the Satan doesn't have rishus to prosecute on a veras, that's specifically talking about a veras done on Yom Kippur. That's what the Rekech, that's how the Rekech answers this uh, contradiction. Stam, once we mentioned that Gemara in Mesechus Yerma that says that Hasatan is Gematria 364, which we learned from that, that on the 365th day the Satan doesn't have any power, is an interesting question because his name is not really Hasatan. Right? The He is not really part of his name. It's a The, Satan. His name is, let's say, Satan. The The is just, you know, it's a definite article, it's just a grammatical necessity. It's not really part of the name. So really, you have to say there's another five, take a, t- subtract another five. One of them, Mepharshim on the Ein Yaakov, I forgot which one, I think it was the Yaakov or Ein Yaakov, one of those Mepharshim on the Ein Yaakov explains that really it's true, there's another five days that the Satan doesn't have Kayach over Bnei Yisrael, that the Gemara is only sort of alluding to, but doesn't say it straight out. Another five days. Those are the five days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Those five days. If five days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, the Satan doesn't have Kayak. You could say, I mean, Parshib Shat, I mentioned. Yeah, what? Well, well, <laughs> 11, 10, 9, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, about Sukkot, when it talks about the mitzvah of taking the Dalaminians, that's Lukachta Melchem Bayam Arishain, pre Eitz Hadar Kapis Tomorrow, etc. It says Bayam Arishain. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. Why is it called Bayam Arishain? So the Major says, the Sukkot is the Yom Arishain of the Cheshbon of Averis. 
So I, what do you mean? The day after Yom Kippur is the first day of the Cheshbon of Averis. Why is Sukkot the first day? No, so the answer is that there's a from Yom Kippur to Sukkot is like one long, is one long stretch of time. It's one like unit. So it ends after uh, after the first day of Sukkot. So like Sukkot is like beginning of the. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, Pashup shot you could say is because you're so busy getting a little Vanessa and building your sukkah or whatever that you don't really have time to do a various between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. That's. Well, what were you going to say? I actually heard a shot um, earlier today in the afternoon from the, the Zlati Pol Rebbe. He has a, his, his Rebbe in, the, in Rav Shach on our street. He comes a few times a year. He, he has a shul. He, gives a, he gave a drush, a Shabbos Shuvah drush in the afternoon. So he said from the Barditchever. Said a word from the Barthechiver. Why is Sukkot called the first day of the Cheshben of Eres? So the Gemara says in Mesechas Yoyma, it says that if a person does tshuva meyira, so zdoina is nasulai kishkakis. If a person does tshuva out of fear of Hashem, so then the sins that he did intentionally get knocked down, uh, get, get knocked down a level, and becomes as if he did it unintentionally. And then the Gemara says, but if a person does tshuva meava, he does repentance from love of Hashem. So then, the sins that he did intentionally get knocked down a few levels and they become merits for him. It's as if those sins turned into mitzvahs. So the Barditchever says that Yom Kippur is Tshuva Meira. Fine. Sukkis is Tshuva Meava. All of the Sfarim, all of the Chesidish Sfarim, they're very busy with this idea that Sukkis is the time of Tshuva Meava. Time of Simcha, Tshuva Meava. So if Sukkis is the time of Tshuva Meava, so then. All the once you come to Sukkot and you do Tshuva Me'ava, so all the various that you did beforehand are completely gone. Even the Zdoinus become like merits, as they become like mitzvahs that you did. So now, when are you going to start counting your various from after that? That's why Sukkot is called the first day of the Cheshman of the various. Okay, says the Medrash. So, right, so, so we said that, that on Yom Kippur, when the person has a various, then the Satan has Rishos to be Mekatrig, to prosecute and to, to, you know, to, cause, to cause some, uh, tr- some trouble. It says the Medrash, Therefore, Therefore, we give to the Satan, Shaykhad, we give him a bribe on Yom Kippur. So that he won't nullify the sacrifice of B'nai Yisrael. It says the Pasuk, you make a lottery of, you take two identical, someone's at the door, should we get it? Yeah, I'll get it. Yeah. You take two identical goats, and you make a lottery, which one's going to go to Hashem, and which one is going to go to Azazel, which means basically to the Satan. So the Medrash says, The lottery, the, the one that comes out to Hashem is going to be a Korban Oila. The shall Azazel Seir Chatas. And the 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 goat that the lottery came out that it should go to Azazel is a seer chatos. It's going to be a korban chatos that you throw off the cliff, and you know that's the famous expression, the scapegoat. Right, that's the scapegoat. Uh, uh, over here, the Medrash says that the one that goes to Hashem is korban oila. It's not really a korban oila because because it's really a korban chatos. It says in the psukim that the the seer that goes to Hashem is called a, is, is a korban chatos, but so chatos. So the Radal wants to change the gears, he says it's a mistake, and instead of saying Oila, it's supposed to say Chatos. I pointed out that in Perak Tess and Perak Aleph and other places in Perak Eliezer, we find 
that it uses the word oila to mean chatas. I don't know why it does that, but we, we found that a few other places. We had it by Yoyna, we had it a few places earlier that Pirkei for some reason, uses the word oila to mean chatas. It was like a general term. Maybe Sometimes something like that. Zevak and then it gets down spe- yeah. specifically. Zevak is also... Uh, Zevach, yeah, but also in, sometimes Zevach means Dafka, Kerben Shlomim. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure. Abiliomi Izmir says, a, says a, a word, which I think he's trying to answer this question. Why would the Medrash call it an Oila if it's really a Chatas? And he says because he explains that an Oila, the Gemara says that an Oila is Machaper al Hirhur Alev. An Oila, a Kerben Oila, burnt offering, it atones for the sin of the thought of Avera. A person who has be- uh, thoughts of doing an Avera, or sins through his thoughts, so a Korban Ayla, there's a Kapara for that. You're not obligated to bring a Korban Ayla. An Ayla is something that a person brings voluntarily. A Korban Chantas, you do a certain Avera that you get curries for, so if you do it B'Shegeg, if you do it unintentionally, so you have to, you're obligated to bring a Chantas. A Korban Ayla, it's it's more fuzzy. When do you bring a carbon oil? So usually an oil is considered something that you bring voluntarily. So the, the actually it's a medrash. The medrash could be it's a gemara also. I'm not sure. That it says the chiddush that an oil is also serves as a kapara for a person who has thoughts of an of an avera. So it says that we have to do to get in tandem with the scapegoat that goes to azazel, which our medrash is saying over here is a bribe, so to speak, to the satan. In tandem with that, we're also offering a carbon to Hashem as an oila. Because when you bring this scapegoat for the Azazel, for the Satan, you might have the wrong thoughts and the, right, the wrong intentions. Because, it's, see, this is a very, it's a very fine line over here. And it's, a very tricky, it's a very tricky topic. When you offer the scapegoat, uh, who is the carbon for? Who do, no, not not who's it benefiting. No. Who, who the korban is in the in let's say for the sake of. For the I'm saying you, you're offering it in the name of Azazel. That's what you're, you're offering it in the name of the Sultan. So that's considered a vayazara. If I slaughter an, an 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 animal, I'm saying I'm slaughtering this in honor of the Sultan. Right? Then you have joined a satanic cult, right? And you can now slaughter, I don't know, whatever they, these satanic cult people do. Right? That's Mamashavai That's your worship, you're, you're making a sacrifice, you bring a carbon to a, a, a deity besides Hashem. Right? So it can't, it can't be that this carbon, the scapegoat that goes to Azazel, that the Medrash described over here as a bribe to the Satan. It can't be that the carbon is for the satan, right? Now, if you if you make a mistake and you think that that's what it is, so because of that, we bring with the scapegoat. We also bring an oilat Hashem as a kapara for the for that those bad thoughts that you had that you thought you were bringing a carbon to to uh, to what, what re- what's really an avodah zara, because you're, you're you're worshiping a different god, you're worshiping a different force. Uh, I, I hear, but. Uh, a shochad is not a. If you want to go see the king, yeah, you know the king has the power, but you can't get there. Yeah. So you give a shochad to his sar to get through the sar to the king. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're giving credence to the the sar. No. It means you're not you're not saying the sar has any power. Uh, a fool. You're getting the sar out of the way with this. 
quote unquote card. Yeah, that's, but that's what a show card is. It's but, not a show of uh, allegiance. But as we've spoken in the past, that is exactly what a Vaidazar is. Because even the people who worship a Vaidazar. No. As the Ram, the Ramah Menhelchus of Adazar says, yes no. that they recognize that Hashem is the supreme power. It's just that they feel, for whatever reason, that they can't, they can't relate directly to Hashem, so they'll go to like the second in command, or whatever, the, the, the people who are on the lower level. I understood that to mean, I hear that, but I understood that to mean that they think the lower level has, has power. the power that Hashem gave them. They have power. Yeah, but the, the sun, sun has no power. The moon right. has no power. And whatnot. In Achinami, there's a God, but God went away, and these people remain with the powers. These but, forces, yeah. Yeah, but it's not a necessity. But, 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 uh, so therefore, they are, they're giving the money, is so you want, you're, 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 giving you're, allegiance to the power that this... Uh, so you're drawing a slight, uh, a slight, a slight chuk between a here and Abedazar. Shochad is a good thing. You don't give a shochad to someone you respect. So if you, the president right, of it's true. It's true. You're not shechting. Right, you're not shechting the scapegoat and then sprinkling his blood on the mountain or something and saying it's l'shem the the sultan. You're throwing it off the cliff. It's true. It's it, it, it's not exactly a you know an honorable carbon in a way. So I'm just trying to. The, I mean, here's see, the question, and it can be looked at this the wrong way, but I, it, 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 is not a positive. Rebeliom Izmir. He, he, he takes it, I don't know, it could be, he's, he, in, my, in my mind, he's taking it a little bit, like, too far. He says that, like, the idea of bringing the carbon la zazel is because you sort of want to suck up to the, to the satan. Because, right, you know, if, 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 if the satan comes up from a, get, gets a carbon from a hush of a, from a Jew, so, like, it makes him feel good about himself, and he said, he brings the midrashim that we had earlier in Perak Lamitches, and Amites, that says that Hashem took down the satan from his higher, um, place of authority in the upper realms and brought it, brought him down a notch. So we're trying to like show the Satan like, oh, really, you deserve you deserve more, like you know, to make him feel good about himself, so that like he won't he won't be mekatrig against us. It's like there you're actually affect trying to affect the Satan or the way the Satan is thinking or dealing with us. You know, it's uh, like to the Satan. There's a, there's a famous story. I, I don't I don't I don't want to say over the whole story because I don't remember exactly the details. There's a famous story. You can look it up on Google if you if you remember this after the share. There's a story of someone named Rabbi Yosef Delarina. It's his name, Rabbi Yosef Delarina. He was a big makubal and he was getting very into Kabbalah and learning all kinds of things or whatever. And somehow he got the impression he could bring Mashiach if he offered a certain type of carbon to the Satan. And he ended up offering a certain type of carbon, uh, he, like some, some incense. He offered it in the name of the Satan, and, and then he realized afterwards that he did a Vaidazar and like went downhill from there. It's, like it's, a, it's a whole story. Like, it, it's a very fine line, like, de- dealing with these type of things. But the truth is like this. The Ramban sort of speaks about this in Parshish um, Acharemais when it talks about the, the scapegoat as well. But the Bayez HaGadol, the, the Pirsh you have on the bottom, he's, he, he says this, very, very strongly. Why do we give a bribe to the Satan on Yom Kippur? It says, When a person completes himself, when people complete themselves through the commandments of the Torah, and the halachas of bringing karbanas according to the, according to the way that they are ordained by the Torah, behold, behold, it comes out that also their baldin, their 
um, adversary, that is the evil inclination, he'll make peace with them, and he'll come and, and, and defend us and find good for us. He'll, he'll be an advocate for us. And there's no greater bribery than that. So what's the Baisa Gadol saying? He's saying that the, the korban of the scapegoat doesn't affect the satan. The korban of the scapegoat really is just, Hashem told me to do it. I'm, why am I doing this korban to the scapegoat? Nothing to do with the satan himself. Hashem told us that this is what we're supposed to do, so I'm doing it. The fact that I'm fulfilling the commandment in the way that Hashem gave it to me, that is already going to make some sort of peace between me and the Yetzirah. And, th- and that's going to affect the relationship with the Sultan. Snegor Kainase Knegor. Kategor Nase Snegor. Right. The, the prosecution becomes the defendant. Right. By, by, by listening by, to Hashem. By you doing this tzivuy of yeah. Hashem. But, but the point is, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not a Zara. I'm doing it because Hashem told me to do it. Because it says in Leviticus, it says in Parshish Acharema, it's scapegoat. Mm. I'm not doing it because because I have some sort of superstition or whatever. This it, is it's this is an important point because in in the academic world they they look at this this whole topic over here as one of the one of the proofs or one of the ideas that they point to to show that you know really Judaism has vestiges of ancient paganism from before they became Jewish and this is one of them. We offer a sacrifice to the Satan. So he's like, you're not offering a sacrifice to Satan. At the end of the day, you're offering a sacrifice because Hashem told you this is what you're supposed to do. You're not doing it for the Satan. You're doing it for Hashem. I mean, Lahavdil. It's not exactly the same idea, but the, the Muslims, when they go to Mecca, right, in, in Saudi Arabia, they go to Mecca, one of the things they do there is they take rocks and they throw rocks at the big rock over there. I've heard that's the holiest thing in their religion. That's yeah, like yeah. You take rocks and you throw rocks over there. Yeah, that's what they do in Mecca. So, so there's 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 a story. There was a person named Avadia Hager, Obadiah the the Ger, the the convert. He used to be Muslim and he became a Ger. He became Jewish, and he used to be Muslim. He became Jewish, and people used to say to him, they're like. You used to be Muslim. You would do this ritual of throwing rocks at the at, at the Mecca. Your your mama show, you you were you were you were worse than like just a regular guy. You were an Oved Oved Zara. You were throwing rocks. That's Oved Zara. That's the Gemara talks about a, a type of Oved Zara called Marculus, which we understand is is the Oved Zara of Mercury, of the Roman worship. The Roman god Mercury was worshipped by arranging rocks and throwing piles of rocks or whatever. He was the god of uh, of the of, of traveling. So that was a, the, the way the way you would make like a portable shrine is you take three rocks, you put them like one like this, one like this, one like this, and you throw more rocks into the pile, and it makes it more covered for him. And that's like the way he worshipped Mercury. Right? So they said that these these Arabs that are throwing rocks, they're mamish, they're worshiping of Zara. You're, you're you're worse than regular guy. You you used to be an Avid of Zara. So this Ravavadia Ger, he said, no, it's not true. He said, it's not true, it's not real of it, it's all right. So they asked the Rambam. This is in Chuvas Rambam, it's printed in Chuvas. The Rambam's letter to, Avram, uh, uh, to Avadia Hager. So, so, so the Rambam says it's not really a Zara. It started off as a Zara, 
because the ancient the pagan the ancient Arabs were really pagans. They didn't have any organized monotheistic religion. They worshipped whatever was you know in vogue, and they happened to have been also worshippers of Marculus. But when Muhammad came along and instituted Islam, so he couldn't get rid of all the all the different customs and pagan customs that they had. So what what do, what what did he allow them to keep doing? He allowed them to keep throwing rocks at at, at this at this at this place in Mecca, but he changed it around and he, he he gave it a sort of monotheistic implication. You're not worshiping a different god called Mercury by throwing this rock. You're throwing rocks at the Satan and you're trying to you know affect the Satan. That's what the Ramam says. The the, the the Muslims when they throw the rocks, they think they're throwing rocks at the Satan. They don't realize that really what they're just doing is they're perpetuating an ancient pagan custom of worshipping Mercury. So the Ramam says. So, all that? With the yeah. Wow. So this gear was around, around the Ramam's time. Yeah, the Ramam's time. The time of the Ramam. But it, it, so, so the academics want to sort of impose a similar, t- a similar paradigm on Judaism and say like, you know, this thing of, worship, of, of making a sacrifice... For the for the Azazel, uh, for the Sultan, that really came from you know Judaism's so to quote unquote alleged pagan, pagan origins, and they they just kept that. But we're we're saying no, it's really the Torah tells you to do it. We're not doing it for for a pagan reason. We're doing it because Hashem said that this is what you're supposed to do, and the way it's supposed to work mm-hmm. is through through the the kiyum of the mitzvah, not through some sort of uh, supernatural pagan. Magical thing that's going to affect the, the Satan. I think we spoke about this for way too long. V'chol and Esem shall Yisrael haya alav, and all the sins of the Jews will go upon that scapegoat. Shneimat says the pasuk v'nasa has soyer alav eskol v'neisam. The soyer, the goat, will carry upon it, will bear upon it all the all their sins of the Jews. Fine. Now this next piece of the medrash is quite important. There's a lot of different things, um, customs, traditions, minhagim that we do on Yom Kippur that are sourced in these next few lines over here in this medrash. So I, well, I, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to read it. We'll read like the whole piece and then we'll go like line by line and see like all the different things you could derive from what the medrash says over here. It says the medrash. Ra, Samuel, or Satan, Sami, saw. He saw that the Jews don't have any sins on Yom Kippur. Omar Lufanov, he said in front of Hashem, Master of the Universe. There is a nation in the land, in the world, in the down, lower realms, which resembles the Malachi Asharis, the ministering angels in the heavens. There's a nation down on earth which resembles a nation which resembles the, the angels up in the heavens, meaning the Jews. And he's going to bring a few different examples. Firstly, Ma Malachi, <coughs> firstly, Ma Malachi just as the ministering angels do not have knees, ministering angels they're always standing, they don't have knees, they can't bend, they can't bend their legs. So too, the Jews stand on their feet on Yom Kippur. That's one one comparison. Second, just like the ministering angels do not have food and drink, they don't eat or drink. So too, the Jews they don't eat or drink on Yom Kippur. 
The second comparison. Third, just as the ministering angels are clean from all sin, so too the Jews are clean from all sin on the day of Yom Kippur. Fourth, just as the ministering angels, there is... Um, There's a mediation of peace between them. Peace is mediated between them. So too, peace has been mediated amongst the Jews on Yom Kippur. So there's different comparisons between the angels of the, in the Shemaim and the Jews on Yom Kippur. And the Medrash says, And the Kodesh Baruch Hu listens to the entreaties of B'nai Yisrael from all the uh, prosecutions against them and Hashem gives an atonement for the Mizbeach and for the Kohanim, the priests and all the entire nation and the entire congregation from big to small which as we saw last week might not necessarily mean from big in age to small young in age rather it means from the most important people to the least important people should never so the public Mikdash HaKodesh. Fine. I'll go through each of these things sort of line by line. The first one is like this. The first one he said, just like the angels don't have knees, they can't bend their leg, so too the Jews on Yom Kippur stand on their feet on Yom Kippur. So what does that mean? So the Bible God says the Pshad is that on Yom Kippur, the Jews are sort of like standing in... To, like, to serve Hashem, we're standing, we're, we're at your beckon, we're at your call. We're waiting for you to tell us what to do and we'll go do it. We're just like, we're standing around waiting to, to do what you want us to do. Pashup Shat. The Radal says another Pashup Shat. We're talking about in the time of the Beis Amidosh. In the time of the Beis Amidosh, a lot of the Jewish population would come to the Beis Amidosh to go watch, to be spectators of the Aveda, the services of the Kayin Gadol and Yom Kippur. We come and watch. Now the halacha is you're not allowed to sit in the azara of the Beis Hamikdash. Only a king of Malchus Beis David is allowed to sit in the azara in the Beis Hamikdash. So everyone who was there, what were they doing? They were standing, right? And this, the avoid of the Yom Kippur basically lasted you know, most of the day. So if they were standing and watching, they were mostly standing the whole day, more or less standing the whole day. So that's what it means. Just like the angels don't have knees, they can't bend their legs. So to the Jews. On Yom Kippur, in the base of Middash, they were standing and watching. They, they were standing the whole day, like the angels. That's Pashup Shat. But the Maisa, the Rishonim, the Rosh, the Mordechai, Hagais Maimonios, they bring from here a minig. The minig is that you, you stand the entire Yom Kippur. That's what, there's, there's a minig brought in Rishonim, based on this Medrash, that says that you're supposed to stand the entire Yom Kippur. But... Very few people do it. Very few people do it. I, I some a lot of people sitting down. Sometimes. So I I heard somebody told me that Rav Isaac Osband. Rav Isaac Osband was was um was left a few years ago. He was Rishiv and Tells. So he used to do this. I think it was Rishiv and Manal, something like that. Something in Tells. He used to do this. He used to stand the entire twenty five hours straight standing. Oh, then at night. That's what it would seem. Sleep. Okay, I figured. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that there are people in the mirror that do it. I think there's a guy in my shul that does it. 
At least I never saw him sit down on Yom Kippur. Well, yeah. So there, there is such a minute. Now the the question is like this. Do, you know, uh, um, the smag asks this question. The smag say for mitzvahs gedolos and mitzvahs essay tezayin. He asks this question. There's a gemara in the end of Mesachas Yoyimah. The gemara says speaking about the idea of vidui of confession of the sins. And what says basically that you're supposed to stand when you say vidui. The gemara brings a story that Shmuel, the Amor Shmuel. When the when the shliach tzibur would get to the words avalanachnu chatanu, which is the that's the crux of the vidui, so it says Shmuel would get up and stand. What did that tell you? That the rest of Yom Kippur he wasn't standing, right? So the smag says, so this is a kasha of, on those people that say that there's a minute they're supposed to stand the entire Yom Kippur because it's evident in the Gemara that Shmuel didn't stand all Yom Kippur. It says that when he would get to vidui he would stand. So the smag asks his kasha, and then the smag says that okay. Maybe you'll say that Shmuel was different. He was he wasn't able to stand because he was very old or he was sick or something like that. And so he had an excuse why he couldn't stand. But normally everyone's supposed to stand the entire Yom Kippur. That's what Smag says. The Radal wants to say a slightly different shot. He wants to say that the the this minute to stand the entire Yom Kippur is only standing during davening. You only have to stand while you're while you're in during davening. Or while you're in the middle of davening or, or saying tefillahs that have to do with Yom Kippur or listening to the chazan, that's when you have to stand. But if you're doing something else on, you know, uh, uh, during davening or on Yom Kippur or whatever, then you, you're sitting and learning, so you don't, you don't have to stand if you're sitting and learning Gemara on Yom Kippur. Right? So he wanted to say basically, the Rada wants to say that Shmuel was sitting and learning because cause, cause back in, in his time, the chazan was only repeating in order for the people that don't know how to read Hebrew or that, or that weren't, didn't know the Nusach the Chazan was repeating in order to be Moitzi them but Shmuel who knew the Nusach so then he didn't need the Chazan so he wasn't really listening to the Chazan so he was sitting and learning and doing something else and then when they got to Vida so he stood up because now he's joining the Tzibur as opposed to us nowadays we're all of us, we all, we, 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 know, we know how to dive and we have Sidorim and we know the words or whatever so we don't really need Chazar Sashatz is somewhat superfluous and the only reason why we have it is because there's a Takana that you're supposed to have Chazar Sashatz so once they made that Takana anyways everyone is supposed to listen even if you're, you're, you already said Shema Nesrei or whatever so then for us you're so, since you're, you're, you're diving the whole day so you're supposed to be listening the whole day to the Chazan so then you're supposed to stand the whole time that's why the Radal wanted to answer this too. So I think there are people that do it I, I don't know. Do what? He has a good oh, he has an answer also? Who, who's this? Uh, oh, Baisa Gola. Where, where does he say? Or Kubos the Kaf, and Shokehem, the Inyano, Dabar Mashal. Shein Lehem. No, so I said that. Beetle, Nasos, Ritzel, and Konam. You said the beginning? That they were standing there. Okay, that was the answer that you said at the very beginning. No, so I said in the beginning that when it says that the Jews stand the whole t- stand on Yom Kippur, so I said there's two Pashib Shah things. Ready. One is that they're ready to do what Hashem's will, and one is that in the base of English, that's how they, they, they would stand. Now, we're, I, then I brought that there's Rishayim that bring, based on this line in the Medrash, that there's a minute that you're supposed to stand the whole Yom Kippur. Okay. So that's like not what we said, the, the Pashib Shah. Then the question is, well, according to that minute, how do you understand Shmuel? But the next line, the matter says that the just like angels don't have eating and drinking, so the Jews in Yom Kippur also don't eat and drink. And that's 
Why is that weird? Because it's Osir? The mitzvah. Because the, the Torah says that. The Torah says that. Yeah. It's not like a sh- special shavach. Uh, also, they don't eat every day of the year. Not like on Yom Kippur, they don't do this and we don't. No! Do this. Uh, that's not a time because all, all of them are like that. All the things that we're saying are like that. The Malachim don't have knees the entire year. The Jews on Yom Kippur are like Malach. Oh, okay. That's the, all all like of these things. Oh, okay. So just. They don't mm-hmm. eat and drink the entire year, right. but the Jews in Yom Kippur are like a malach. That, the, 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 the upshot of, of, of these lines in the Medrash is that the Jews in Yom Kippur are like, are like malachim, are like angels. So Kasha Rishon stands. Yeah. It's a mitzvah. Well, well I'll, tell you, I'll, be... I'll tell you an interesting thing, only because we sort of mentioned this Medrash, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, where we said the med- there's a Medrash that says that when... When Moshe Rabbeinu got the Torah, so the, the angel said, like, why are you giving the Torah to him, to mankind? You should give the Torah to us. So Hashem said, well, I tested you guys out. I let you angels down on earth, and you messed it up. You ate Basar B'cholov when the three angels came to visit Avraham Avinu, so they ate Basar B'cholov. Right? So the question is, what do you mean? The matter here just said that angels don't eat and drink. So what do you mean they ate Basar B'cholov? Angels don't eat and drink. So what's the Basar B'cholov that they ate? Yeah, you hear the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so they, I don't remember who says this. They say, they say answer like this. Rashi over there, in Parshish Vayera, Rashi says, what does it mean that they ate, the angels ate? Rashi says, they didn't really eat. They made it look like they were eating. They burnt it. Yeah, Because the angels are really made out of fire or whatever. It's like they burnt it. They burnt the food. So the answer is like this. <coughs> Basab there's three prohibitions involved in Basab you know what the three prohibitions are? Uh, cooking, benefiting. Cooking, benefiting, and eating. Mm. Right? So, cooking basabacholov is also. So, when the angels ate or pretended to eat the basar and the cholov together, really, Rashi says they burnt it. Right? They put it in, like, like they're made out of fire. It's like they put it in some sort of fire inside their whatever body they were pretending to be in. Right? So, they cooked it together because they put it into this fire. So when the matter says that they were over, so when the matter says that the, the angels that came down to the world um, were, were uh, transgressed the prohibition of basibachalov, wasn't talking about the prohibition of eating basibachalov. It's talking about the prohibition of cooking basibachalov. That's what I want to say. Now, but there's this 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 var. I forgot who says this var, but this var has big implications because the instead of cooking basibachalov is all. Pot, the, the simple understanding of it is that you're cooking it in order to eat it, right? That the, the, the problem of cooking it is that you're cooking it so you won't, you won't come to eat it. What if you're cooking it not to come to eat, not in order to eat it? To give to someone else or just start that, cooking? Okay, so there's a case in the, the, the Chibina Rav, David Mesharm. He has a case in his chuvas that there's, there's some sort of food and they don't know if it has basabakhalov in it. The shayla is, am I allowed to take this food and bring it to, to a chemical lab and they'll, they'll like cook it and do different things to it or whatever to, to be able to do a determination of whether it has basibachalov in it. But in order to, 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 to do that test, in order to do the experiment, I have to cook it. And if I cook it, I might be cooking basibachalov. So he says it's not a problem. Because you're not cooking it in order to eat it. You're cooking it in order to not eat it. Right? So the shadow is like this. Yeah? Let's say you're Yushami, you live in Yushalayim, yeah, and there's a big there's a big trash can over there. 
Yeah. And the government did something that you're not happy with. Yeah. Are you allowed to light this trash can on fire? Because maybe it has some basar and khalaf together. And if you light it on fire, you're cooking basar and khalaf together. And, and, and I just to add to that, and if the government then uh, caves in to your demands, are you getting hana'ah from this <laughs> act? So, so, so Mufarshim, a lot of Mufarshim say that that's not called cooking basar b'chalav. I'm destroying it. I'm, I'm melting it down. I'm not cooking basar b'chalav together. Or you, you, or you live in New York City and you have an incinerator in your apartment. It's not bishul. Right? Bishul is bishul. Sreifa is... Uh, uh, that, so that's that's the, the, answer. the answer is that yeah. there's a difference between bishul so and sreifa. So the malachim also. So the malachim also is very diff- difficult to say. that. Fire they were, doesn't mean yeah. bishul. Fire can mean also destruction. Beer. Yeah. Beer dafka hummets. You so then, throw it into the fire, right? So then what so what of so then what of era do they do, right? So I don't know. The, the next line the Medrash said that just like the the Malachi Asharis are clean from all of Vera, so too the Jews and Yom Kippur are clean from all of Vera's. There's a, there's another girsa of uh, about this Medrash Tanchuma says a slightly different thing. It says just like Malachi Asharis are clean so too the Jews in Yom Kippur are clean. It doesn't say necessarily clean from a ver, it says clean. There's a few different minhagim that are learned from here. The Rosh in the end of Masechus Yaimah says that this is the source for the minhag that everyone goes to the mikvah on Erev Yom Kippur. Because you want to be clean, ritually clean. You want to be ritually pure, ritually clean. Just like angels are clean, so you want to be clean. It's brothers, brothers, shulchanar. The minig is people go to the mikvah or tisha kabin mayim or whatever on erev yom kippur to become ritually clean. Another minig the Ramah brings in simin tafresh yud, which is hilchos yom kippur. The Ramah says there's a minig on yom kippur that you wear clean white clothing on yom kippur. Clean, you wear a big dish, you know, a nice white shirt, clean shirt, like just like you wear a, nice, a clean white shirt on Shabbos, you wear a clean white shirt on yom kippur. Even though it's not Shabbos, it's Yom Kippur, but because you, because the Medrash says that B'nai Yisrael is clean on Yom Kippur, so we like like angels, so we want to imitate the angels, so we are clean. And the Ramah says it's a Ramah. That's also the reason why we are a kittel on Yom Kippur, because also because we want to be clean, like the Malachi Asharis, which are also the Luvush Luvushe Bad, or the, one of in one of Daniel's visions, so the angels described as Luvushe Bad, the one who's wearing white linen. So we want to wear white linen, white clothing also, so we wear the kittel on Yom Kippur. What, what's the source for some people wearing a kittel on Rosh Hashanah? I don't know. I'm not from those people, so... Oh, okay. the, I don't know. The people that... The, from, I mean, with the, growing up, the way it was, was that the people that are sort of functionaries in the synagogue, so they wear a kittel on, on Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. It's like the Chazen, the Rav, the Baltikeya, the, the Makri... Maybe the gabai, I don't remember, whatever. The, the functionaries wore a kittel and everyone else didn't wear a kittel. My father doesn't wear a kittel on Rosh Hashanah. He wears one on Yom Kippur. What about Pesach? On the, uh, by the Pesach oh, Seder? Question, yeah. So my, we do wear a kittel. A lot of people. I mean, my father wears a kittel and when I started making my own Seder, I also wear a kittel. You wear a kittel? Chabad doesn't. No. Chabad doesn't. But you, Chabad wears on Yom Kippur. Kittel. On Yom Kippur, yes. And Rosh Hashanah? No. No. So only Yom Kippur. Only Yom Kippur. Only Yom Kippur. There were there were Hasidim, I don't know which kind of Hasidim, but they were wearing white on Rosh Hashanah, all white. Yeah. Nice jacket. 
Um, so that's the minute. So we just like we want to be like Malachi Asharis. So the says that's why we wear a kittel, that's why we wear a white shirt, white clothing, etc. There's another reason. Uh, the, uh, there's another. The, there's another minuk that we wear talis on Yom Kippur, even by night. This is mentioned like it's mentioned sort of tangentially by the Ramah in Simon Yudches in Arachaim. Simon Yudches is Hilchas Tzitzis. So the Ramah over there says that you should be careful that when you're putting on your talis for for Lel Yom Kippur that you put it on before Shkia. So that you can make the bracha, because if once it's night, you don't you don't make a bracha on tzitzis at night. So you put your talis on before the night, right? So the Mishnah Bru over there says, why do we wear a talis on the night of Yom Kippur? So the Mishnah Bru says because a talis is white, and we want to resemble the Malachi Asharis, which are also dressed in white. So therefore, we wear a talis on the night of Yom Kippur because in Yom Kippur we want to imitate the Malachim. There's a few. Bunch of minhagim, different things that we do in Yom Kippur to imitate them. There's another one. The Mishnah Bro also brings down Tafresh Yud Tes, which is also Hilchas Yom Kippur, right? On on Yom Kippur, when we say Kriyashma, so the phrase Baruch Shem Kodesh Vlad, we say it out loud. The rest of the year we don't say it out loud. On Yom Kippur we do. Why? Because the Medrash says that that's what the Malachim say. The Malachim say this phrase Baruch Shem Kodesh Vlad. That's how they praise Hashem. We say it quietly because we don't want, during the rest of the year, because we don't want to arouse their jealousy. But on Yom Kippur, we're showing that we are like Malachim, so we say it out loud. Because we're imitating the Malachim. There's different... The, the Radal brings down from other Rishenim that there's, there's, they have another line over here in the, in the Medrash. This is brought in the, the Rosh, in the Gleis Maimini, Rabbeinu Bachaye, the Tur, the Rikanti... There's one more line over here in the, in the Medrash that says that just like Malachi Ashares are Yechefim, they're barefoot, so too the Jews in Yom Kippur are also barefoot. Hmm. So the Radha says it doesn't literally mean barefoot, it just means not wearing regular shoes because it could be you're not even allowed to daven if you're, if you're literally barefoot, but you're not, they're not wearing like regular shoes because on Yom Kippur you don't wear regular shoes. Okay. So, and again, that, the implication is that we're sort of imitating the Malachi Ashares in that we don't wear regular shoes, just like the Malachi Asharis don't wear regular shoes. Then the Medrash said that, just like the Malachi Asharis, there's peace mediated between them, so too by the Jews, there's peace mediated between them. Right? Chazal tell us that Yom Kippur is only mechaper for an aver of Ben Adam Lamakim, on a sin between man and Hashem. But a sin between man and a fellow man, that Yom Kippur doesn't affect. Right, so the minute became that before Yom Kippur, the, de- the days leading up to Yom Kippur, you go and you ask all your friends for forgiveness. In order to, to, so basically Yom Kippur brings about peace between man and his, his fellow. There's peace between the media. So, the Radal points out an interesting thing. The, the, the expression used is, Sholoi Mesavich Benehem. Peace is mediated between them. So he says that from here it sounds like there's a special idea. There's a, there's a, there's a, a special idea over here about Yom Kippur that you should a person should strive to make peace between let's say warring factions. You have two people that don't get along that you know about two people that don't get along, so you should make a special effort to try to get them to make peace between them. Because it says it says mediated. It doesn't just say that there's peace between them. It says peace mediated between them. It's interesting that he made this deal. Imagine the rush when the rush brings this medrash. It doesn't say the word mesavich beneim. It just says shalom beneim. It doesn't say mediated, it just says there's peace between them. So, I don't know if the diak is, is, is such a strong diak. 
Okay, so those are a bunch of different minhagim that have to do with Yom Kippur that are learned out from our marriage. Now we're continuing the the story, we're conti- continuing the um, story of Meishu Rabbeinu getting kapara for Bnei Yisrael. Omar Meishu, Meishu Rabbeinu said, B'yem ha-kippurim erek v'edish al-Kaddish Baruch Hu, on Yom Kippur I am going to see the honor of Hashem, v'achar kach ani mechapar alav anisem shal Yisrael, and afterwards I am going to get an atonement for the sins of the Jews. First, so Moshe Benek has a plan. First, I'm going to see Hashem, and then I'm going to ask Hashem to forgive the Jews. Rabbi Leum Israel is bothered by, what do you mean? You, 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 you have some sort of selfish interest and you want to go see Hashem, and that's coming before getting a kapar for the Jews? Why would that come before? You should be working on getting the Jews their kapar. Why are you busy with, oh, I want to see Hashem? What does that have to do with anything? Right, so the Radal sort of doesn't, he hasn't asked this question explicitly, but he sort of answers the question. This is part of Moshe Ben's plan. His plan is he wants to see, quote-unquote, see Hashem, and when he, quote-unquote, sees, sees Hashem, so then he'll be able to say, daven very strongly for Hashem to be mechaper on B'nai Yisrael. He'll say, etc. And then he'll get a, a complete and utter atonement for the, for the sin of the Chera Ego. That's what the Radal says. That's Moshe Ben's plan. He wants to do... It's going, it's going together. He's going to see Hashem, and then by, when he sees Hashem, he'll be able to daven in the most optimal way, and then he'll be able to achieve their kapar. Why? What? What's the connection between seeing Hashem and, and that being in the optimal number? The, the, what? Why can't he start before he sees Hashem? Meaning, according to the... I think we said, according to at least one opinion, he didn't go back up for our Bayim Yom. He stayed in the camp to arrange things. Yeah, so... And then... So, it, so okay, the, the, the Radal goes, goes into what you, what you just asked. When is this happening? Is this happening... The Pashup Shana the Psukim sounds like this happened before he got the second Luchas. But the way our Medrash is saying it, it seems to be saying that... It's trying to say that it, this happened after he got the second Luchas. Being on Yom Kippur after he got the second Luchas, maybe. I don't know. That's what it seems to be saying. After he came back down. Being not during the 40 days of asking for Kapara. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Alright, let's, 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 let's see what it says. Yeah. It's a, no, it, you're right. The Radal says that it, you know, it, it is a Chiddush in... It is a Chiddush to interpret the Psukim this way because it's sort of like pulling things out of order. Yeah. But that, that's what it seems that the When I get in to see the king, then I can ask for forgiveness. You, 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 could, you could say it like that. When I get in to see the king, I'll ask for forgiveness. I was sort of thinking, you could say in a different way, that we'll, we'll, see, we'll see this idea sort of later on, that when Hashem is going to reveal himself, or not say, if Hashem reveals himself to me, I get to see Hashem, so that means that that time is a, is a, a masugal time, it's a auspicious time that if I pray at that time, you know, Hashem will grant my prayer. Because if He's going to let me see Him, He's going to for sure listen to what I have to say. Sort of building on what you, what you just said. So what does He say? Omar Ma'isha Lefnei Kodesh Baruch Ma'isha says in front of Hashem, Master of the Universe, Hareini Na'a Es Kvedecha. That's the Lashon of the Pasuk. Show me your glory. Omar Lea Kodesh Baruch Hashem said to him, Ma'isha, Moses, you cannot see my glory, Shloit Thomas, without dying. Shinemaz, it says the Pasuk, 
no man will can no, no man can see me and live. So uh, Hashem answers Meshavin, if you actually see me, you will die. So I can't let you see me. Ella, rather, because of the promise that I had promised you, and the name that I had that I had informed you about, I gave you a special name. This is referring to something we didn't learn about yet, but Hashem will learn Parak Memhei, the previous Parak. Over there, it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu met, was speaking to Hashem at the Sneh, so Hashem basically gave him a guarantee that whatever Moshe Rabbeinu asks for, Hashem will grant it, except for going into Eretz Yisrael and knowing about when he's going to die. That's what the Medrash in Parag Memhei says. And we're going to see over there that the name of Hashem of Ehiyah, Sher Ehiyah, is supposed to allude to that promise that Hashem gave to Moshe Rabbeinu that he's going to grant him whatever wish he wants. Right? So here, Moshe Rabbeinu, so Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, you know, let me see your glory. And Hashem says, I can't let you see me because then if you see me, you're going to die. But because I swore to you that I'm going to grant you whatever you wish, and I gave you a special shame of Hashem that alludes to that fact that I'm going to grant whatever you, you request, because of those two things, I am going to do your will. I'm going to, I'm not going to do exactly what you want because it's impossible. Because whatever, it's impossible. But I will do what you want, what, what, what your ultimate goal really is. I'll let you achieve your ultimate goal. As we said, his ultimate goal is that he should be able to pray for B'nai Yisrael in the most optimal way in order to get the kapar. So Hashem says to him, Hashem says, stand at the entrance to the cave, and I will pass in front of you all the angels which serve in front of me. Like there'll be a parade, like a military parade where you show off all the all your military might or whatever. So Hashem is sort of going to have a military parade. He's going to show all the angels that, 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 that serve in front of Hashem. They're going to pass in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. I am going to pass Call Tuvi, all my good, thi- all my good in front of you. So Tuvi doesn't mean my my good meaning like me being good, but it means my good meaning all the good things that I have, right? Meaning the angels, all the angels that Hashem has is going to pass in front of Moshe Beinu. And then afterwards, and then afterwards when you hear the name that I had revealed to you, someone's going to call out a certain name of Hashem. Then Sham Ani Then you should know that there I'm standing in front of you. So you, there's going to be a whole parade of the angels, and then you're going to hear a name of Hashem, and you'll, you'll, when you hear that name, you'll know that I'm there, but you're not going to see me because because you can't see Hashem. It's impossible to see Hashem. And use your strength, gird your strength, and and don't be scared. Hold, hold, hold on, and, and don't, you know, don't, 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 like, fall down or whatever. You know, keep, keep yourself strong, and you'll be able to do what you want. You'll pray in front of Hashem. You'll be able to pray in front of me at that moment, and you could achieve your goal. The Pazak says, we say this a lot in, in these days, mm-hmm. and I will be gracious to those who I will be gracious to, and I will... Be mercy, merciful to those who I have mercy upon. Right? So either that's referring to Hashem having special mercy on Moshe Rabbeinu, as we're going to see later on, that Hashem, that Hashem allowed this to actually happen. 
despite the fact that we're going to see that the Malachim are going to try to stop Hashem from revealing Himself to Meishu Rabbeinu, or the fact that Hashem is helping Meishu Rabbeinu um, get a kapara for Bnei Yisrael, so Hashem is being merciful and gracious to Bnei Yisrael. So Shalos, is, is, is the object Meishu Rabbeinu or is the object Hashem? Uh, is the object uh, Bnei Yisrael? Is the, the, the person Hashem is being gracious to Bnei Yisrael or is, is it Meishu Rabbeinu? The ministering angel said in front of Hashem, Behold, we serve in front of you in the day and at night. As opposed to, the Radal says, as opposed to people who don't usually serve Hashem at night. Usually people are sleeping at night. Right? And he says that even Moshe Rabbeinu, there are some Midrashim that say that Moshe Rabbeinu only learned by Hashem during the day. Hashem only spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu during the day, not at night. It's more like a different Midrashim, but if Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu during the day and during the night, but there is a side to say that Hashem only spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu during the day, not at night. So the angels are saying that we serve you during the day and at night, and people only serve you during the day, so we're greater than people. And we don't, we are not able to see your glory. We, we haven't reached that level. And this, Yulud Isha, person born of a woman. It's like a sort of derogatory way of referring to a, a, to a human being. This woman born creature, right? It actually, in the, in the Zohar, it uses a, a similar term to mean mankind. When it refers to like a, you know, in general person. It says Bar Nash. Bar Nash. Bar is son of, Nash is a woman. Bar Nash, son of a woman. Right? Son of a woman. In modern Hebrew, Bar Nash means like, it's sort of like a, an informal way of referring to like some random guy. Like a chap in like English English. <laughs> Bar Nash is a, a chap. Or like some guy. Bar Nash. Like some fel, some, some dude. I was once... When I was taking was taking my uh, know, like, for some reason in elementary school when when when, when my Rebbe would uh, translate the word hahu the phrase hahu gavra there was a person so in elementary school my my Rebbe would translate hahu gavra as was a guy that's just the way he would translate that term in the gemara so when I was taking my test to get into high school in yeshiva so I was you know I had to read a gemara I was reading hahu gavra there was a guy and the, and the, the Rebbe was like a guy. The Gemara doesn't talk about guys. The Gemara talks about people. It's talking about guys. It's like it's slangy. It's like very mm. informal. <laughs> but the point is that the angels are saying, and this human being wants to go, you're going to let this human being, and you're going to let him see his, your, 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 your glory? He's a human. He's lower than, than us angels. You, we don't get to see you, and, and he gets to see you? And they came, these angels came upon Moshe Rabbeinu with anger and with, with, uh, with confusion and tried to confuse him in order to kill him. And his soul was about to come to, to death. They were, angels were about to kill Moshe Rabbeinu because they didn't want him to be able to see Hashem and them not. What did Hashem do? HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself to protect Moshe Rabbeinu, he revealed himself in sort of some sort of cloud. Hashem came down in a cloud. And this is the seventh Yerida, way back when in chapter Yedalad. Way after Yedalad, Perak Yedalad, we said that there's ten times that Hashem came, that there's a lotion of Hashem coming down 
to intervene in the world. And this is the seventh one, when Hashem came down to, in, this, in this pillar to intervene against these angels who wanted to kill Moshe Rabbeinu when Hashem was revealing himself to his glory to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Hashem came down, Kebiyochol, the Radal says Kebiyochol, in some sort of cloud or pillar or whatever to protect Moshe Rabbeinu. Now this is an interesting phrase. He covered him with with the palm of his hand, so that Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't die. Shem sort of put his hand over him in order to protect him. Obviously it's Kibiyachal because Hashem doesn't have a hand. Shem says the Pasuk, It will be when I... Pass my glory. I will cover with my palm. And that's how Kodesh Baruch Hu sort of protected Meishar mm-hmm. And when after Hashem had passed Meishar Benu, He removed his hands from upon Meishar Benu. Again, Kibiyachol. And Meishar Benu saw like the back of the Shechina. Whatever that means, and I will remove my hand, and then you'll see my back. Whatever it means that Moshe Rabbeinu saw the back of Hashem. What? Kapi, the back of my hand. Right. I'm going to remove. I'm going to know. Kapi means well, my, my, my hand. My hand. You'll, you'll see my back. See my back. Okay. No, no, sorry. I know exactly what, what what all of this means. That he saw his back and he moved his hand. Whether I I found this interesting over here. It uses the lashon of Hakadosh Baruch Hu as Sikech Olav Hakadosh Baruch Hu Bekaf Yaday Sikech. What does the word Sikech sound like? What does it remind you? You mean sin? What? Sikech. Yeah. What does the word Sikech mean? To remove? No. That was Vasiraisi. A few lines back. Go back a few lines. Sikech Olav Hakadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? Oh, Skach. Skach. Cover. Cover. Right. Skach. Why is the sukkah called a sukkah? Rashi in the beginning of Masech sukkah says, "Asher eschach kari sukkah." Sukkah means something that's covered; it has a covering. So the Medrash uses the same expression to say that Hashem covered Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah. Now there's a question that a lot of people are bothered by: Why is Sukkot right after Yom Kippur? What's the connection between Sukkot and Yom Kippur? We spoke about it about an hour ago, but there's another. There's another. There's another way of looking at it. There's actually a Fizgra about this. The Gra in his Pirish and Shir Shirim, the Gra says that because when Klai Yisrael did the Ched HaEgel, so they lost the Ananiya covered, and then when Hashem got, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu brought down the Luchais, they, they got a Kapara, and then they started doing the preparations for the Mishkan, and they gathered everything or whatever, and then the first day of Sukkot, that's when the Ananiya covered came back. The Gra has a whole cheshbon about it. I actually wrote a whole article about this piece of Gra in the most recent Kavitz Hamaar. Oh. We were talking about that last week, right? Were we? I think you um, wrote some article, but it wasn't that. Could be. Right? No, that was a different article. Was time, yeah. Different article. But so so the, that's the Gra's pshat. That, that's why Sukkis is right after Yom Kippur, because it's like a Hemsha. The, the reason why they lost that Nanei Kavit is because of the Chede Ego. Yom Kippur helped them get back the Kapara for the Chede Ego, and then by Sukkis, that's when they got the Nanei Kavit back. The, the, a word from the Gra. I wanted to say that maybe you could say the connection between Yom Kippur and Sukkot is this. Why do we have Sukkot? Because it's not just Anani covered. It's it's this Anan that, that happened on on Yom Kippur. 
the Anan, Kaddish Baruch Hu came down and protected Moshe Beno. And Sikeh Allah, Kaddish Baruch Hu, B'chaf Yoda, Hashem covered him, right? cover, like a covering of a sukkah. Hashem made like a sukkah over Moshe Beno with his hand. Uh, that, that's a, a big connection between sukkahs and Yimper. I don't know, it's a very undeveloped idea. It's just something to think about. Let's finish the Medrash. Moshe Benu began to, to scream in a loud voice and he said, Hashem, Hashem, Kel Racham V'chanon, etc. Moshe Benu said the Yud Gimel Midas Shal Rachamim. When, at that moment that, that, he, that he saw the back of Hashem, whatever exactly that means, that he saw the back of Hashem. Right, then he said the Yud Gimel Midas Shal Rachamim. That's interesting. We say this multiple times during Slichus and Yom Kippur or whatever, right? What does the Pasuk say? Vayavar Hashem Alpanov Vayikra Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum V'chanon etc. Right? Who said the Yud Gimel Midil Shrachamim? How do you understand it? When you say Vayavar Hashem Alpanov Vayikra Who who called that out? Hashem? Hashem taught The Pashtun Sadav is Hashem taught him how to say it when Am Yisrael was to do something. So, 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 the, word, so the word, the word Vayikra is saying that Hashem said it? Hashem. So, that's the Pashtus, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, later on in Pashtus Shlach, when Moshe Bino Davins to Hashem about the story of the Chet of Miraglim, so over there, the Pashtus, Moshe Bino says, Hashem should allow his powers to become great and as you, as you spoke, saying, then he says the Yud Gimomidas, or a certain version of the Yud Gimomidas. But there, Moshe Rabbeinu is referring to something that Hashem said. Right? So it sounds mm-hmm. like Hashem said the Yud Gimomidas. And that, really, that's like the Pasha Pshat and the Psukim. Vayavar Hashem Alpanov, Hashem passed over, Vayikra, and Hashem called. Proclaimed. Proclaimed, or called out, or whatever. Over here, it's saying that, that no, Vayavar Hashem Alpanov, Hashem passed over his face, over Moshe Rabbeinu's face, Vayikra, and he called, meaning he, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu called. I always wonder why they make a big deal about, they don't make, make a big deal about Vayikra, that Vayikra, that, you know, in, in, in the safer Vayikra, I don't make a big deal about this Vayikra at all. This is ordinary Vayikra. So you're saying, if it's Moshe Rabbeinu calling out, so then that would answer your question. If it's Hashem calling out, so then what, what would be the difference between this Vayikra and that Vayikra? Right here. Explain, because uh, that Vayikra is known as Hashem, Hashem calling out. Rach? What? No. Okay. No, there's all kinds of ideas that they bring up for the fact that it says in the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, it says that Vayikra, that Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu like, by calling him, and it was like a... You know, proper okay. etiquette. You first you call the guy and then you speak to him, etc. Yeah. Right. And over here, you know, it also says uh, the Hashem called out to Moshe and he said the Yidyalomidus. So we don't really see any any ideas brought out from that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to say the Moshe is the one who's calling out, so then that's why we don't say anything because it's not Hashem calling out; it's Moshe Rabbeinu calling out. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the, so the Radal says that our marriage sounds like Moshe Rabbeinu said the Yidyalomidus in the pasuk, not Hashem. So. When you say slichus, either tonight or tomorrow morning, so vayover Hashem alpanav vayikra, you can say you can think in your head that pashup shat vayikra means Hashem said it, but according to Pikdulos, it means Amishrabin who said it.
And then he gets a little bit more technical. It's the Pasuk afterwards, it says, Vayimaher Moshe Vayishtachu. Moshe quickly get, went and, and he bowed to Hashem. So the question is, if the Vayikra is going on Moshe Rabbeinu, it's using a pronoun to refer to Moshe Rabbeinu, the antecedent is Moshe Rabbeinu, so why in the next Pasuk would we have to speak out the proper name, proper noun again and say, Vayimaher Moshe, we were just talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, so just say, Vayimaher Vayikair Arta Vayishtachu. Why does I have to say his name again? So he says because the Yud Gimomidos was like two and a half, uh, two and a half sukkim, interruption, whatever, so we said over who it was again. Okay, fine, it's a little bit te- technical. He either got it or he didn't get it. Allah Maisha Lafanov, Maisha said in front of Hashem, Slach Lavin Isem Shal Yisrael Al Maisa Egel. Please forgive the sins of the Jews on the deed of the Egel, the deed of the golden calf. I don't have that. You don't have that line? Why do I do? I'm, I'm at the wrong. Yeah. And the Medrash says, parenthetically, something interesting. The Medrash says, If Moshe Rabbeinu would have said at this point, Please Hashem, forgive the Jews for all the affairs that they will ever do until the end of time. Hashem would have forgiven the Jews for all the affairs that they would ever do until the end of time. Because that moment was a special auspicious time of of Ratzon, a, a special time of how do you say it in English, a time of appeasement. That Hashem was especially appeased. It was a special Ace Ratzon from Hashem that he would have whatever Moshe Ben would have said, Hashem would have done it. So if Moshe Ben would have said, "Forgive all the Jews for what they're going to do in the future," Hashem would have also forgiven them. You see that from that pasuk that there's an idea of Ace Ratzon. But Moshe, alas, Moshe Ben didn't say that. <laughs> he only he only said yo forgive them for the chayda eagle and he, you know we're gonna see that they got forgiven for the for the chayda eagle. Okay, the shadow is why why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu say that? Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu take advantage of the situation and say forgive the Jews for whatever they're gonna do in the future? Why is he only saying forgive them for the chayda eagle? So Biliyomi Isra says because Moshe Rabbeinu saw that the whole concept of tshuva is such a huge chiddush. And the Gemara uses the expression tafasta mu tafasta tafasta mu but like tafasta. If once you're talking about something that's already a novel idea, it's a new, it's a new idea. We're only going to take it as far as as we as as as, as it's given to us. We're not going to take it farther. Well, so, in essence, he did get forgiveness for the Jews because he got a Yom Kippur, which gives us all the forgiveness. So in essence, all the future he did. Generations. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting idea. idea. Very, nice. Very nice. It was that. Well, let, let, let's just say, let, 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 let's just say Rabbi Yomi Izmir's answer, and then we'll say your answer. So, so Rabbi Yomi Izmir says that Moshe should be reasoned, like, look, if you know, Hashem is giving me a chance, I'm going to ask for a kapara for the Ched Egel. If I ask for more than that, you know, maybe he's not even going to listen to me for the Ched Egel. And that was so, like, like uh, when he said, you know, give me Yavna. Right. Now, I don't want to ask for too much because then I'm going to lose everything. Right. So that's why he didn't want to say it. You were, you, Rabbi, Rabbi Hochstetter is saying, saying a better answer, I think. He's saying that no, included in in the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu asked for the for a, an atonement for the Cheda Egel is also the idea that I, that we want something called Yom Kippur, which brings out the whole idea of atonement for the future as well. See, he didn't say that he wants an atonement for the future, but it's all included. And then we got Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur is the the ultimate. It's a, it's an interesting idea. Hello, Omar. Rather, Moshe Rabbeinu only said, forgive the Jews for their sin of the, of the Maisa Egel, and he didn't say for all eternity. 
Like your words, I have done, meaning I have forgiven them. Hashem said, I have forgiven you according to your words. Now the problem is that this pasuk of Ayyem Hashem was said in Parsha Shlach regarding the story of the Meraglim, where Moshe Benah asked for forgiveness and Hashem said Salach Tikidvaracha. The question is that it's we're talking about the Cheda Egel. So why are we bringing a pasuk that's said about the Meraglim by the Cheda Egel? And Tezus in Mesechus Yivomis asks this question, and in Mesechus Bavakam and other places, and Rabbi Pomeranz has an answer. Answer. They ask this question on this. Um, mm. I'm not sure if it's on Pirkei Blazer, it's on other places where this pasuk is brought in the context of the eagle. But what do you want to say? I, I was going to. I, I, I'm on. I have a different. I'm on a different track of thought. Yeah. I was thinking about the question of Salach Nalavazenu Shel Israel Ad Sof Kol Adorot. Yeah. What would that look like? That would mean the Chet the Chet Maraglim would would be forgiven if he had asked for it. Would be forgiven, and that would be the end of time. There would be no Torah to fulfill once we got in the land. There would be no Gezela. There'd be, be nothing. Everything would be. Well, yeah, the would history would have looked a lot history, different. Yeah. History would been. We'd have Mashiach there. We'd go in the land of Israel. Yeah. But because of the Chet Maraglim, we're still here. And, the and that gave us Tishabov. Yeah. Here. So if you answer, so meaning that that was the next chet in line, Lachar. That was like the big chet. There were other ones, I guess, in between, but that was the big chet that this could have won. Yeah. Of, had he asked for kapara for everything in the future, unlike. Uh, he, makes a, he makes a good point. I don't know what to do with it. It's a good point. I have to. But if it was instant kapara on every chait that Am Yisrael was going to do, call the darot, so yeah. then there'd be no chait maragli and we'd have a kapara. Yeah. Here, living peace. No, it could be we could answer your question by saying that Moshe Bino didn't ask for Yom Kippur. He only asked for a kapara for the chait eagle. Hashem also gave him Yom Kippur. It wasn't necessarily what Moshe Bino asked for. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. So we, we brought this passage, which Mepharshim say uh, is written about the Meraglim, not written about the The Radal brings a sheet to Kobetzis in Baba Kama that asks this. I couldn't find it. I don't really understand what he's saying. But the Marzu says a simple answer that, no, it's written in past tense. Hashem said, I have forgiven you. I already forgave you, like your word. By the Meraglim, Hashem said, I already forgiven you. Is an illusion. Uh, he's saying in the past that I am forgiving you for this avera. I have already forgiven you, meaning in a, for a previous avera, according to your word of that you used these yud gimelmidas and you got a kapara for. Mm. Okay. Anything else? No. Okay. Everyone should have a gemach simetayva, and we will reconvene with Parak Hey next time. Yeah, yeah, what's no, your no, question? No, 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 no. Well, off the record. Off the record.